Welcome to Adaptify. I'm Mike, I'm a paraplegic from New Zealand, and it's my mission to find the Adaptifiers of the world. People who have overcome challenges and found new, creative, interesting ways to be free despite needing to use a wheelchair for their mobility. Hey, welcome back. Thanks for joining me. I'm Mike, and this is season number two of the Adaptify podcast. It's been a wee break while I've been over to the States and Canada and organizing things with the lap stacker and coronavirus and all sorts of things have been going on behind the scenes. But I'm super pumped to have a whole nother season of amazing guests on the Adaptify podcast. And today is no exception. Our first guest is Catherine Beatty, who is an absolutely incredible WCMX writer. She's the first woman to ever do a backflip. But, you know, that's only one part of her life. She's also an award-winning uh, staff writer for um, CBS and a number of other TV shows. Um, she was born with cerebral palsy, so not uh, not someone who came into disability after being able. And she's got some really amazing views on accepting and embracing uh, the disability community. Um, and... Uh, she's just funny. She's downright funny. She's a go-getter and um, super, super pumped to have you on the show today, Catherine. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks, Mike. I've been looking forward to this for a while, so I'm excited to get to chat with you. For those of you listening, um, Catherine and I have been trying, uh, this is our third attempt at recording this interview. Uh, there's been a you know, a number of um, disruptions, I guess, with internet um, on both sides and and uh, third time lucky, as, as they say. So this, um, this is yeah, super excited. The um, the build up has been um, has been intense. Uh, yes, a lot of anticipation. <laughs> hey, so um, Catherine, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, tell us a little bit about your your childhood and and um, you know why it is that you're part of this adaptive uh, community of ours. Sure. Um, well, as you guys know, my name is Catherine Beatty, and I was born and raised in Los Angeles. Um, I am a twin, and my twin sister and I were born three months premature because my mom actually did not know she was having twins until after I was born, and she still had another baby to deliver. Um, so due to us being born so premature, I have cerebral palsy. Grew up actually not using a wheelchair and was completely ambulatory, you know, as most kids with CP do, I hit I hit milestones late, but seemed to get along just fine. Um, you know, had spent a lot of summers having surgeries and doing therapies and whatnot. But um, my parents were told somewhat erroneously when I was very young that I would not need a wheelchair ever. I actually did not start using a wheelchair until I was. 27 years old. Wow. Just, you know, got, it was, it just was getting harder and harder to get around. And I was participating less and less in the things that I love to do. So, you know, and once I was finally able to get a wheelchair, it was such a relief and it really just kind of opened up the entire world to me. Wow. That's a really interesting perspective. Um, mm -hmm. Listen, just before we go any further, can you tell us a little bit about um, cerebral palsy? What what uh, what causes that, and and what are some of the um, I guess implications of that? Mm -hmm. um, well, CP is kind of it's kind of an umbrella term for uh, conditions that are caused by a brain injury to the infant brain. 
So you usually are diagnosed with it before you're two years old. And there's a wide spectrum of it. You know, some people are very minimally affected and maybe just have some coordination issues, whereas others are, you know, nonverbal and uh, have very little movement. And I fall um, much closer to the former end of that spectrum. For me, uh, my muscles are uh, very tight and they don't stretch in the same way that most people's do. So I kind of describe it as um, imagine you're out walking somewhere and you slip on something and you're about to, you're in the air and you're about to fall and your entire body like clenches up. Mm. My body is like that most of the time. And it's just because of the brain injury. I, you know, am, I have spasticity all, all over. Um, my particular case affects me head to toe. You know, I've had eye surgeries. I've had a lot of problems with my jaw um, and all that stuff. And then also, also for me, as I get lower down, um, the effects increase. So my legs are affected more than my arms and my right side of my body is affected more than the left. Um, so my left, my left arm is decent uh, and my right leg is pretty useless if you want to think of it that way. Um, <laughs> but yeah, just, you know, for me, really the biggest thing has been a lack of stamina, you know, getting tired very quickly, which is one of the main reasons why I use a wheelchair and then also tightness and, you know, lack of coordination and all that fun stuff. So what, what implications did that have for you growing up? What did your, what did your parents tell you? What did your teachers tell you? What did, what, what did your peers, um, you know, how did they treat you mm -hmm. growing up? Well, you know, we didn't talk about it very much in my house growing up. Certainly, uh, you know, if I had questions, they were answered. But just, I, grew, I was born in 1985, and as it still is today, but even more back then, disability was, I think, kind of a taboo subject. And because my parents were told, oh, my case is so mild, she's not really going to be disabled, it wasn't something that we constantly addressed throughout my life. So while I, you know, obviously knew I had this condition and spent a lot of time in therapy and having surgeries and all that kind of stuff, we didn't, we really didn't talk about it beyond just, you know, going to doctor's appointments and that kind of thing. And it was very much put on me. It was my decision whether I wanted to disclose it to people. Um, you know, if I was like seven, eight years old and wanted to sign up for the soccer team, my parents would ask me if, I wanted them to write down, you know, that I had CP on the form. And I would always say no. Uh, but, you know, looking back, I think that was because we didn't really talk about it. It kind of ingrained in me that this is like something bad that that shouldn't be shared with people. So, yeah, you know, it, it's a, it was always kind of there in the background and it was like something to work through, but kind of something not to be addressed. And in terms of my peers, you know, I really can't say that I was treated any differently. I, you know, there's comments here and there. And as I got older, and it was harder to keep up with people, I did start getting left behind. But it really it didn't cause too many problems for me in school, or, you know, socially, because um, I'm just a very social person. So I had that going for me. Yeah, I was going to say, is, is that because primarily your, your attitude to to your situation, to life is positive and, and, uh, you know, that reflects back at you. Yeah. Um, you know, my, uh, thoughts about my situation, I think have, have changed drastically to, from something that I didn't think about to something that I 
wanted that I was kind of in, uh, embarrassed about and wanted to keep hidden to now um, I'm in my 30s and I see it uh, as really, you know, just a positive part of my identity. So that has been a journey. But in terms of my overall outlook on life, I think you'll hear this from a lot of disabled people. I learned very early on to be disarming and, you know, to crack a joke, to make people feel comfortable Mm. around me because I, you know, because people's attitudes, you know, you can tell when somebody's, you know, giving you a vibe or they're not comfortable with you. So I think that I'm sure it was natural uh, because, you know, my, my family is pretty much all the same way, but I think having a disability kind of pushed me early just to develop this outgoing, everything is fine, I'm so funny type of personality, uh, just really as uh, looking back now, a survival mechanism to deal with other people's perceptions. That's really interesting. You, you sort of described that it's been a journey to shift your mindset towards embracing, you know, mm-hmm. your disability. Um, what was that journey like? Like, what are some things that helped you in that journey or um, uh, made you embark on that journey or, or change your perception? So really, the catalyst, I think, was when I went to college and I was uh, alone for the first time on my own and really started to see how my disability impacted me. Growing up, you know, I, I walked independently, but I was frequently holding on to one of my parents or my friends, mm. you know, h- holding hands with people. And I was like, oh, I'm just a very touchy-feely person, I guess. But really, I, you know, I was using that for a lot of support. And so going to college and having to be totally on my own and having no one to rely on really started to clue me into the physical effects on my body. And then from there, I went on, I think it was like some message board. This was 2004. So this was before a lot of, this mm. was, you know, a couple months before Facebook. So none of that existed. I went on some message board for people with CP or brain injuries or, and, and kind of just saw all these people talking and reflecting a lot of experiences and feelings that I had had throughout my life. And I can remember very clearly the first time I posted on one of these boards and I, I basically said, uh, you know, my name is Catherine and I'm disabled. And I was like shaking so hard that I almost fell out of my chair because it was, I was so, I don't know, nervous or what the word is, but it was such a big deal for me to kind of claim mm. that. Mm. And I, you know, through talking to, to other disabled people, I, I started getting really excited about, you know, joining this community. I found people that were like me and this was so great and I'm going to get a wheelchair and so fantastic. But, you know, as I said, my parents were, I think, erroneously kind of given this advice that I would never need a wheelchair and that um, they should treat me just like, everybody else, you know, the kinds of things you hear in the media is that, you know, disabled people are no different and all this stuff. And so when I told them that I was thinking about getting a wheelchair and really kind of came out as a disabled person to them, it the reaction was pretty much flat rejection of, you know, wow. no, you don't need this. You're, you're not, you're not disabled really, you know, and, and, uh, I feel, you know, you're giving up if you get a wheelchair. 
And that was really difficult to, to go through because, mm. you know, it was, they were coming from a place, a kind of an ableist worldview, which was ingrained in them through no fault of their own, that disability is bad. So they didn't want me to identify with it. But from my point of view, well, I'm certainly not able-bodied. So if I'm not disabled, you know, where, what am I? Um, and I think a lot of people in my situation kind of fall through that, that crack and find themselves without a place to belong. So, you know, that was difficult and definitely something that I, I tried to work through, but I was, um, young in college, didn't have any money and, um, was not able to get a wheelchair covered through insurance. If you know anything about insurance in America, uh, it's not fantastic. <laughs> and it was even worse um, way back when. So without you know the, the resources or support to get a wheelchair, um, I just really didn't have any options. So eventually I kind of decided I'm just going to put this idea out of my mind. It's never going to happen. Um, I'll just move on with my life. Uh, and it wasn't until like eight years later that I, I reached kind of a breaking point and said, uh, to my parents, I'm going to get this wheelchair and basically I want you to split the cost with me. I think I, I could have afforded it on my own at that point, but I wanted them to split the cost with me kind of as like a, a, a show of goodwill that they were kind of in this with me. Mm. And I think by then, you know, nearly a decade had passed. Uh, I think they started to see the advantages and, and the benefits to wheelchair use for me. So, you know, to their credit, they, they put their apprehensions aside and helped me get my first wheelchair, which was a WCMX chair. And um, from there, the rest is history. Holy, what an, what an incredible journey. Often people think of a wheelchair as the worst thing out, you know. Um, it's uh -huh. all about walking. You know, Richard Corbett, he, he was, um, you know, he addresses that in his videos around yeah. wheelchair gives you gives you freedom. Actually, you know, I, I really enjoy using my wheelchair, particularly in the malls where it's nice and flat, and I can – I can race around and I'm like, yeah, with some nice like marble floors. And oh, it's all, yeah, it's, it's, it's great. You that know, is, it's so good. When I first got my chair, actually, you know, like I said, I, I bought it myself and I, I didn't have any kind of traumatic injury that would send me to rehab or anything. So I had nobody to teach me how to use it. And actually I'm uh, very dear friends with Teal Sharer, who I know has been on your podcast and her husband, and when they lived in LA, you know, they really helped me out getting my first chair and Teal kind of gave me some tips. But really what I would do is just go to the mall and kind of make it a video game. I would say, I'm going to see how fast I can go through the mall and I'll give myself <laughs> bonus points if I don't hit anyone and, you know, all that stuff. And I just really practiced. And I was like, this is so fun. I don't know why anybody wouldn't want this. And for me, I mean, I, it's it's because I've always been disabled. It's really hard for me to fathom why everybody loves walking so much because I hate it. And for me, <laughs> wheelchairs aren't limiting at all. They're like you said, they're they're totally a tool of freedom. And for me, if you want to if you want to take away my freedom, just take away my wheelchair. I'm not you know if if I don't have it, I'm I'm stuck at home and I really don't get out and I'm not able to participate in the things I love to do. Um, so it's absolutely like my favorite thing in the world. I'm obsessed with all of my wheelchairs. 
I think unless you use a wheelchair, you don't really understand the feelings that other wheelchair users have towards this basically just metal and rubber. But I don't know, I just feel such gratitude and my heart kind of swells every time I look at one of my chairs because they're such, by now they're a part of me, they're, you know, extension of my body, but also they're the entire world to me. They've just opened up so many lanes and opportunities and new experiences. And I've met so many great people and they really are what have allowed me um, to succeed so much in the, in the last eight years, really, since I've had uh, chair. You've got a really unique perspective because um, like in my case, I was, you know, I was definitely forced to use a wheelchair um, mm-hmm. and walking to me was everything. But, you know, to actually think about not having my wheelchair, and, and of course it was easier in New Zealand, it's relatively easy to get a wheelchair funded. Um, although mm-hmm. if you're born with a condition, it, it is certainly more difficult. But, um, you know, if, if I wasn't to have a wheelchair, man, that would be that would be absolutely disabling. I mean, it would be, it'd be, it'd be shocking. And I think those of you out there that are listening and that's, that hold some resentment towards your wheelchair for whatever reason, just imagine not having it and what that would mean what that would mean for you. So, um, you know, some gratitude towards these these wheels that we roll around in is, uh, is a good thing. Catherine? Absolutely. And, you know, for me, uh, if I can just add, I think, the, you know, I have a unique perspective because I have always been disabled. And I certainly, you know, for people that come to disability later in life, I don't want to minimize their experience. But when everybody says, oh, it, you know, it would be so much better for you if you could walk, my response is no, it would be so much better for me if the world was accessible. If I, you know, if I didn't have any Mm. barriers to entry and using a wheelchair, then we would all be on the same playing field and it really wouldn't matter how we got around. Oh, it's such a huge issue. We could go deep into that. (laughs) But before we, before we um, move into some more of the fun things and uh, your successes in life, you know, just harking back to your parents' um, attitude and time, my my wife um, lost a brother when when he was five and when she was uh, three or four and uh, her parents um, you know didn't talk about him anymore they just swept it under the carpet and and um, it totally left a massive void in in uh, my wife's life and uh, you know I don't think um, my you know her parents knew how to cope they they weren't mm-hmm. they were I think they were actually just told to just not talk about it anymore you know. To just don't don't uh, just move on from it. Just bury the bury the past, sort of thing. For you know, people out there listening, uh, maybe even parents that have uh, someone with uh, who was born with a with a disability. What advice would you give, and what would you, as a parent of um, of yourself, let's say, how would you have um, handled it? What what sort of steps would you have taken to um, um, to to be more accepting? Well, it's easy for me to say now what I would have done in their situation. Um, But, uh, you know, my dad passed away in 2014, very suddenly. And while we had, you know, come to terms with my disability, I did spend a lot of time being very angry at him. And as soon as he died, I was like, well, that was dumb. I don't like, I don't know why I was so mad at him, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, I just kind of wasted all those, those years and, and on that negative emotion. But I think the, the reason why they had this reaction, and I'm sure, you know, for your, your wife's parents, you know, they were told to do this, they were told to do that. For my parents, 
I'm sure they were told by doctors in the community and all these people, this is the best course of action. Mm. You know, you, you, um, you're in the, you know, in, in the medical model of disability, which we talk a lot about, you know, being disability as something that needs to be fixed. These are the things you can do to make it better. And really as of, as I've grown older and gotten into a disabled community and learned about disabled history and culture, I see how deeply they were negatively impacted by ableism Mm. um, and just the thought that, you know, disability is a bad thing. So for me now, I, you know, I tend to actually get in a lot of fights with parents of, of disabled children on the internet um, only because I'm trying to (laughs) save their, their kids are going through the same thing. I'm trying to shift these worldviews of, you know, to disability being uh, neutral. My whole thing is it's not good or bad. It just is. Some people are disabled. Some people aren't. Um, And, you know, we need to treat it as just another part of human diversity. Um, you know, and that's really the best way to support your child in, in their identity because bodies are bodies and they're all different. And this is the one, this is the one I've got. And I don't, you know, now that I've had years to come to terms with it, I don't want anything different. I, I couldn't imagine not having CP, you know, to me, it's just, it just is. Um, so I would, I, I always really, you know, counsel parents of disabled children to um, first listen to disabled adults when they're telling you what their experience is, because really we're just trying to be helpful. And also to, as early as possible, plug into the disabled community. Um, so your kids can meet other disabled people and you can meet them and you can really see what a great way of life it is. Because uh, if you don't, I think there's a lot of fear and people get caught up in the negative But really, we just need to think of it as just another thing that is. It's not good or bad. It just is. Really interesting about the community. You know, I was in LA. That's where I met you, um, you know, just last month, actually. And Mm -hmm. I was absolutely blown away by the energy in the room and the community that was there. Um, You know, I had three full days there, and I, I enjoyed every moment of it. And, you know, previous to that, um, you know, maybe maybe five years ago, I actually didn't really want anything to do with um, other people with um, disabilities. I, sure. um, I, <laughs> I just I didn't want to identify with that, and um, mm-hmm. and now I, uh, you know, I, I lean into it wholeheartedly, and I, I see it as um, you know, no no different than a community of people that are into um, caravanning or um, you know are on the high seas sailing around the world, or they're doing you know, it's just a community of people that Definitely. share share common interests yeah it's totally um (laughs) so i I think i think i can i commend you for getting into arguments with people (laughs) and trying to educate (laughs) them over um yeah i have a i have a lot of enemies on instagram but oh well (laughs) i'm i'm sure that um i'm sure that given time they will um they, they will appreciate your your worldview. Yes, we can only hope. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and that's so good. Well, um, well, that's a that's a really um, solid um, base to your uh, your life, um, and um, gives gives some real perspective as to um, your character. What about um, uh, you know some of the, the first things that you really really uh, enjoyed and got got good at? What what were some of those things? Uh, once I got my wheelchair before. Um, I think maybe after you got your wheelchair. Yeah. 
So the, my main thing, uh, you know, I grew up in California and I loved all kinds of action sports, anything with wheels or a board. I was like totally there. And like I said, you know, I grew up walking, so I was able to skateboard, um, for, you know, looking back, it was only about a year of my life when I was 12, but I was able to skateboard for a year and I was terrible at it, but I loved it so much. Uh, and then I had, a Surgery, which is very common to a lot of people with CP, I had both of my hamstrings lengthened, and my my legs were straightened because of that. But they never regained the strength that they had pre-surgery, so mm. I wasn't able to skateboard anymore, um, and just really, really missed that so much. And when I was in college and first started thinking about getting a wheelchair, I saw this guy on MySpace, and it was just a picture of him dropping into a quarter pipe on a wheelchair. And, you know, I think his name is Mike and I might've exchanged some messages with him and, and but it didn't really go anywhere because I didn't have a chair and all this stuff. But I said, wow, you know, one day if I get a chair, that's definitely something I'm going to do. And a few years later, you know, that's when I first became aware of Aaron Fotheringham. He uh, did the first wheelchair backflip and he was, you know, kind of the godfather of this new sport called WCMX. And so I, and it just clicked for me right then and there, you know, this is actually a sport. This is a community that's growing. And the very first thing I'm going to do when I get a wheelchair is go to a skate park. So, um, that's what I did. You know, <laughs> I actually kind of sold the wheelchair to my parents as sports equipment. And I said, if I get this wheelchair, I'm going to be able to do all of these action sports. It's so great. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, got a wheelchair and, uh, got a helmet and some of my buddies that rode BMX and we went to a skate park um, and I rolled into what I now know is a very steep bowl, but I rolled into this bowl at the skate park and had no idea what I was doing, went straight at the wall and landed on my face. But it was such a rush to, <laughs> to be in there and be doing it. So, so yeah, for, so for me, you know, WCMX was, it was always kind of the goal of something that I wanted to, to do and get involved in when I, you know, started rolling and I was lucky enough to have the resources to make that happen. Um, and it's really just, uh, it's crazy to see how far that community has come in such a few short years. Um, you know, when I started doing it, there was maybe 15 people around the country that were riding and people were just posting videos on YouTube and teaching themselves and trying to figure it out. And now we, we have riders all over the world. We have international contest there's kids as young as like two three years old that are riding so it's just been the the most fantastic thing to be a part of that community what's it like turning up to a wcmx competition oh man it's uh <laughs> it's interesting you know they're i think everybody's like oh yeah i just i just i'm here to have fun and this is going to be great but it's so competitive. Like there, there's, there's such a, you can tell everybody wants to win. And, um, and I love that vibe, you know, to me, contests are some of my favorite days because everybody is so competitive and they're pushing themselves so hard. And that is when, you know, you see the sport progress and you see people trying crazy things that they would never just do on a regular day at the skate park. Um, so, you know, um, so that is intense. But just overall, the vibe is just like a bunch of people that are just so 
content with their lives and excited that they get to to do this sport and happy to be on chairs and and just glad to be able to share an experience with the community. So it's like it's such an awesome awesome vibe. All the intense competition aside. Is it dangerous? I mean, do you feel does it does it feel like a risky thing to you? Have you had any injuries? Yeah, I mean, it's all action sports are are inherently dangerous, um, but I don't think it's any more dangerous than um, skateboarding or BMX or any of those things. Other than the fact that we're strapped into our chairs, uh, so they're going to land, they're going to come down with us if if we fall. And to me, you know, the risk is a huge part of what makes it so fun. Um, I think if there's no, if there's no risk involved, like it would get boring really quickly and, and why even do it? So I've been lucky enough to not have any major injuries, um, except, you you know, I've, I've fallen a a ton and you just have to get used to the fact and be okay with falling and getting hurt and shaking it off and getting back into the park. You Um, haven't broken teeth out like, uh, like wheels. No, I, I am very <laughs> um, protective of my teeth. I had very crooked teeth as a child and many years of braces. So I'm very, very protective of them. Um, and that's why we wear full face helmets. Um, but for me, my, I think my worst injury was at a contest in Texas. Um, it was the first year that we had a women's division, which I had been pushing for for several years because prior to that, it was just me competing with the guys. And this was our first year of the women's division. I, you know, had landed the backflip. I was going to do it in competition and I went for it in practice and just totally did the wrong thing. Totally my fault. Um, screwed up and ended up slamming the back of my head into the ramp and was knocked unconscious for a minute. And, um, when I, when I came to, I remember saying, Oh, I I was just closing my eyes. It's fine. Like, get me back, get me back up. I need to go again. And they were like, uh, no, you were not closing your eyes. You're, you, you're out. Um, so, uh, yeah, so that was, that (laughs) was a concussion that took me several months to, to recover from. But other than that, you know, than that major injury, which nobody wants to get, I haven't broken really any bones, um, or, uh, had anything too terrible happen um i love yeah. how so, i love you know, how <laughs> i love how optimistic and, and kind of cheeky you are it's, it sounds sounds like you just you know, really wanted to just keep going i love it that's just part of it i think i think you you either you have the personality and the, the drive to do these things or you don't and um you have to be okay with getting hurt especially if you want to you know if you want to compete and i made a piece with it and i just you know the falling is part of it. Falling as long as it's not too hard is actually, to me, really great because it just makes you feel alive and um, hmm. and remind you <laughs> of you know everything that's that's good in life uh, when you hurt yourself. So um, so yeah, it's just it's something you have to accept if you're gonna do this sport. There's um, no there's no pleasure without a little bit of pain, <laughs> as the old cliche goes, right? So yeah, um, yep. <laughs> Um, you, you mentioned the backflip. I mean, okay, so you, uh-huh. you're you're the first woman to do a backflip in a wheelchair. I mean, that's a that's a huge that's a huge um, deal, really. And um, yeah. you know, ha- have there been other women that have followed followed in in your footsteps there, or in your wheel tracks? Yeah, there have. Um, so um, there's been a couple actually. So Alaria Nafe, she's from um, Italy, and she also has CP, which 
to me, it's so impressive with, when anybody with CP like does anything cool in WCMX because we have so many challenges that I think people don't think about just because we are dealing with kind of a full body condition and that, that does affect our brains. So she started doing backflips actually on snow and she has like blades attached to her wheels and it's like super rad. Um, and then Willie Rice, who is in uh, Wales, d- does backflips now. And she she's she's young, so she was actually the second per- second woman to do a backflip. And I'm 34. I think she's like 16. So at this point, I'm like, Lily, you go. You can go. You can do backflips. Everybody knows that I can do them. It's your it's your time. <laughs> you you have all the glory. Um, but but yeah. So it was really cool. When I when I first started there, like I said, there were so very few people that were riding, and, and women especially it was me and two other girls. Uh, and you know, when I first got the chair, uh, Mike Box, who, who made the chair for me, told me he's like, I made this this the frame longer, so when you go for a backflip, you'll have something to grab onto. And I was like, oh sure, okay, whatever. Um, I'm never doing that. Um, but just a few <laughs> short months later, I kind of started thinking, well, maybe it's possible. Um, and the more I thought about it, the more I just really, really wanted to be the first girl to do it. You know, Aaron had done it. Uh, Daryl Tate had done it. Um, and a couple other guys. And so it was a small club. And I really, it was just, you know, I'm not really one that goes after accolades, but this is just something I wanted. So practiced really hard and was lucky enough to um, hook up with Woodward West, which is a skate camp here in California. And they have a foam pit and they let me come up there and practice. And I practiced and practiced and practiced for like eight months until I finally landed it Wow! and um, wow. had a lot of hard crashes and it's a lot of hard work. And, um, but when I finally did it and was sitting at the top of the ramp on my wheels after I landed, it was such a shock because I wasn't really expecting to land it. Um, and it was like a huge flood of emotion and I was staring at the people that were with me. Like, did I, did I just do that? Did I really just land the, you know, the first (laughs) female backflip in a wheelchair? Um, so, and from there, it's just, it's been so rad to see how many other girls are inspired to, you know, get into the sport and not only get into the sport, but like go for big stuff. Like I love seeing, seeing people, push their limits and like I want I want to see girls do double backflips and uh, you know anything and they will they will crazy that they can think of and they definitely will I definitely won't but they definitely will (laughs) (laughs) put into perspective for me that it took you eight months I saw the video of you doing that backflip and I did see the sort Uh of like oh did I just do it and it looked it looked effortless you know you just did one little bounce afterwards and 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 you were like oh and that was that was kind of it but I realized that it takes lots and lots and lots of repetition to actually to get that. (laughs) And when you finally do it, it actually seems easy. Uh, Yeah. So actually it's crazy. The, once you learn how to do a backflip, it's one of the easiest things to do because your chair naturally wants to go backwards. I mean, Mm. all your listeners who use chairs, they've, I know they've all fallen out of their chairs backwards before. Like it is so easy to fall over backwards in a wheelchair Mm -hmm. because they just want to do that. Um, so once you, but it's just really committing to it. Um, that is the hard part. And, you know, for me, like I, like I said, I have, you know, my disability is different and I have a lot of things that I'm working with, you know, whether it's like spatial perception or 
my arms and chest and stuff being tight and all that stuff. So I don't know if that was part of it, why it took me so very long to even just get my chair around. You know, the first time I went to Woodward, it took me like seven or eight hours to even get a full rotation. And by the end, I was so tired that, you know, I would have like, I was basically having to be like carried out of the foam pit and carried up the stairs because I had nothing left. But but yeah, wow. so it, it just, it took a long time, but now it's crazy for me to see. And this just shows how quickly the sport has progressed. Like kids are learning things that took me like six months to learn. They're learning it in six hours. So, um, so it's great. But yeah, you know, that, that first time, uh, when I finally decided to do it to a hard surface, I was with Blake Simpson and a couple other guys and they, they all went for it and landed it. And I'm like, all right, they did it. Like, this is my time. So I did the first one and it was like pretty close and I was feeling good about it. And the second one I did, it was like not close. And the third one I did, I totally landed sideways, like on like my (laughs) ribs. And I was like, whoa, God, like this is terrible. And so I remember um, saying to um, Sean Mahaney, who was there, he's since passed away, but he founded Sean Co. Wheelchairs and he was there. And I looked at him and I said, get me back up to the top of the ramp. Like right now, I have to go again because I'm really going to start to hurt in like two minutes here. <laughs> so he put he pushed me back up and I went for it one more time. And just like, you know, you saw in the video, I just bounced. And then all of a sudden I was up there. So, um, so yeah, so it was crazy. It was crazy. And then, and then ever since then, you know, it's been, it's, I'm not going to lie, scary every time you do it because you, you're going upside down and you don't know what's going to happen, but, um, it's just, it's just like an incredible rush when you see that ground come around and then all of a sudden your, your wheels down. It's so fantastic. Uh, I, I so admire, I so admire your spirit. It's, it's fantastic. I've been just sitting here smiling from ear to ear. I love it. It's so cool. So um, WCMX for you is is not a professional thing. It's a it's a hobby. It's a sport. So it's something that you. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, so what what else in your life um, fills your cup? Mm-hmm. So I am a television writer. Uh, I currently write on a show called NCIS New Orleans, which here in the states is on CBS. It's a big and deal. It's a big show, right? Yeah. It's it it is a big show. It's you know it's it, we're now in our sixth season, and I've been with the show the whole time. And you know I started as on the show as an assistant and got ended up becoming a writer. You know three years in and have written many episodes now. And you know um, being a t- uh, being a television writer is a is a pretty exclusive club on its own. There there's not very many of us. And then also, you know, being a disabled television writer, you know, when I got staffed, there was like one other writer in a, in a wheelchair. Um, and then in the past, like two, three years, we've actually kind of exploded our numbers. Now I think there's five. Um, but that's, you know, of in America, there's like five of us. And if you think of that in terms of the general population of wheelchair users, you know, that's just a fraction of, of mm. you know, what who actually should be doing it um so, so what what was the what were the challenge was there any challenges as a as a you know wheelchair user um or someone uh-huh. with a disability in, in getting a role like that i mean it sounds like it'd be an incredibly tough role to get like full stop right yeah 
it's hard for anybody to like, don't get me wrong. Like it is, these are just some of the most coveted jobs in the world. And, and so it's, it's difficult, but especially for somebody who's disabled, um, there are two main ways, uh, to becoming a writer. One of them is to kind of win a, a fellowship or a contest, which, you know, you could get lucky and do, or you could not. Um, and the other way, which is the most common is to work your way up as an assistant. Uh, and I was lucky enough to, to get that chance. I started my career on the Ellen DeGeneres show, and I was a PA there for um, a season before I realized that I wanted to work in scripted. So I quit that job and then got a job um, as a PA on a show called Californication, which was on Showtime. But at the time uh, that I worked on Ellen and on Californication, I, I was not yet using a wheelchair. Um, so I was kind of able, in that instance, I had the privilege of passing for able-bodied. Um, so I kind of was able to get my foot in the door that way. And there are so many people. Cause it's with a physical very, job, right? Yeah. It's a, a, being a, a production assistant, which I started off as is very physical and, you know, and for me, um, being disabled, I, I think I, I was, I kind of set out to prove that I could do it. So I was taking on like the hardest tasks. Like there would be you know, a 50 pound box of paper that needed to be carried up the stairs. And I'd be like, I'll do it. Like, oh yeah, sure. Um, so I just kind of ran myself ragged, um, trying to kind of be like, no, no, I can keep up. I can do it. But just the fact that I was even able to, to, to take that path is great. Uh, you know, and, and kind of hide my disability. There are so many people who, um, maybe they're, you know, they're wheelchair users or they're blind or they're deaf or they, you know, they have a circumstance where they're not that, fortunate as I was to, to, you know, to be flexible with their mobility. So just getting the, getting an assistant job as a disabled person is very difficult. Um, and then I, uh, started using a wheelchair on a job and, um, uh, cause it was like the first, the first show that I was on that had an accessible building. Cause most of them, you know, they were upstairs or all this stuff. Mm. So I used a wheelchair on this job and then, um, that job ended and one of the writers on that sh- on that show was going over to this new show, NCIS New Orleans, when it was starting, and she took me with her. But when I got to NCIS New Orleans the first day, um, or, or I, I had found this out previous to starting, that the building was not accessible. So I showed up the first day without my wheelchair, and I think I kind of shocked my friend because I she, probably she thought I was paralyzed up until that point because she'd only ever seen me in a wheelchair. Um, <laughs> so she's like, "What are you doing?" and and I said, well, you know, they, my office is upstairs and I don't want to rock the boat. And, um, and uh, so this is, this is fine. And she was like, absolutely not. It's not fine. And she kind of like outed me to everybody. And so then I, then they made accommodations <laughs> and I started using a wheelchair from then on out. And, um, I've used a wheelchair every day at work since, um, which has been six years now, but yeah, it's, it's very, um, demanding, you know, our show, shoots in Louisiana, uh, in New Orleans, which is maybe one of the least successful places I've ever been to in my life. Um, so it's very difficult to navigate in a wheelchair and we're frequently outside in the swamps and in the woods and running around. Um, so, but so you're doing you know, that for context, right? For, for what you're, you know, what you're obviously writing, you, you need to understand the, yeah, the yeah, venue, so, right? The locations. Yeah. Yeah. So we, we write, you know, we write it and then they sent us to Louisiana to to shoot it, and we have some control over the locations. Like this this um, episode that I wrote that um, is going to be airing soon, 
uh, it takes place in uh, a, a large part of it takes place in this remote field. Uh, but when it became clear that I was going to write it, I kept trying to move it to like a condo in the city. Um, and everybody was like, no, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be in this field. That's, um, so, but you know, we just, I, I just make it work. You know, I have, I, I'm in the fortunate position to be able to use crutches. So I use crutches a lot on set. And for me, like, you know, disabled people are natural problem solvers and we want, we want so badly to work and to be, um, a part of this whole thing. So all we need is the chance. And like I say, just, just give, if you want, if there's a disabled person that wants to do this, give them the chance. They're going to figure out how to make it work. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, the crew has been great. They've, they help me with whatever I need and, and we get it done. And I, you know, I think, um, I've been able to be just as successful as the rest of my coworkers who don't use wheelchairs. So, so very good to see um, yeah, yeah, super, super proud of you, and um, and I think that people that have disabilities like us are incredibly resourceful, and actual you know problem solving skills should be you know be right yep. high up there with um, with anyone. Um, mm-hmm. And so yeah, and and of course we we go to great lengths to try and make things work uh, for us and those around us. So yeah, don't be afraid to um, give someone an interview if uh, they're a wheelchair user or otherwise. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, for me, I, I think growing up disabled has been such an asset as a writer uh, because, um, you know, I'm from Los Angeles. I've lived here all my life. I, you know, I don't have I, I'm not the most worldly person. And I don't have that experience to bring. But I have become from a very young age kind of a natural observer because things were more difficult for me to participate in. So I was on the sidelines for a lot of life and kind of just was able to sit there and absorb other people's stories and their experiences. So Mm -hmm. I came to this job with, with almost an innate ability to like, you know, connect to a lot of different uh, people and characters who I might not share in their experience at all, you know, in real life, but it's very easy for me to like imagine myself in that space and to plug in, um, because I've spent my my whole life kind of just just watching, um, and I think so many of us we're just a well of of stories and and ideas, and we're just you know waiting to share them and waiting to be given that chance. So I you know I think every show would be served uh, quite well by having a disabled person on staff. Wow, yeah, interesting perspective, being able to observe and imagine yourself in situations. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really interesting. Is there anything that uh, you do to, you know, sort of get yourself in the mood for writing? You oh, have a, do you man. have a bit of a you have a routine? <laughs> do you have a sort of a you know set set thing you do? I should. You know, there are uh, there are people that say <laughs> you know writers write every day and that and um and and I have tried that, um, but you know some days part of my process is 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 not writing and 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 thinking of ideas or, you know, going out and having an experience and like putting that in the bank. And, um, so for me, you know, my process, it takes me forever, almost an embarrassingly long time to come up with or settle on an idea that I want to write. But once I settle on it, I can write it in a matter of days. Um, and it just kind of comes to me very easily. So, you know, one of the, one of the, my most favorite things that I've written it was actually an episode of NCIS New Orleans um, called In Plain Sight. And uh, it centers on 
our character Patton, played by Daryl Chill Mitchell, who in real life is a paraplegic. And um, the theme of that episode is that disabled people are invisible. And because of that, uh, these disabled people are being used unwittingly as spies because they can kind of move through the world unseen because, <laughs> you know, society is trained not to look at us. Um, wow. So, you know, just and, – and that is something – you know, that came directly from my experience as a disabled person that the rest of the staff really connected to immediately when I pitched it, but it was not something that they ever would have thought of. So, you know, when I sat down to write that, which was the very first thing that I actually had ever written that had anything to do with disability, you know, I wrote it in a matter of days, um, which, and it just felt so natural. And after, from, from that experience, I really, you know, decided I'm going to start you know, investigating this more deeply in future pieces that I do and kind of trying to make space for disabled people in all of my stories, whether, you know, um, they're written that way or whether we just cast them that way. But, but yeah, it's just, you know, it's, I'm one of those people where when I get an idea, I have to get it out. I have to put it down on paper. Um, Otherwise, you know, I, I, like, I just can't go on with what I'm doing until I say what needs to be said. Wow. So um, tell us a little bit about your, you know, personal life, a, a typical day. What, what does that look like for you? And the other thing that I'm curious to know, and I'm sure there's other wheelchair users out there, is the uh, topic of dating and, uh-huh. um, you know, dating from your perspective. Uh, have, you got any, sure. have you got any sort of advice or tips to share on that? Um, well, if anybody has advice or tips for me, I would really appreciate it. Um, <laughs> no, I have um, – I date a lot. I have um, basically been through all of the apps um, and I'm now like recycling people in Los Angeles that I'll match with them. And then I'm like, oh, shoot, I went on a date with them like three years ago. Um, So, um, (laughs) yeah, so so I date a lot. And, you know, I I really haven't um, run into any negative attitudes and and people have been really open. I'm still looking for, you know, that long-term relationship, which seems to be something that's, that's been quite out of reach. But, um, but yeah, you know, I think it's, it's scary at first to put yourself out there. And, um, but into, in 2020 online dating is like almost like a full-time job, second full-time job. Um, so (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it's, you know, there, there are of course funny stories, but I've, I've met some great people and, you know, I, I, I'm just in it to have fun and, and meet people and, um, do interesting things. And if I one day meet that guy who is the perfect long-term partner, then fantastic. But, but yeah, so definitely, (laughs) Uh, first, first dating plays a lot into my everyday life. Uh, not a whole lot of second and third dating, but, um, but yeah, (laughs) you know, for me, my, I, I'm like, I hate to bore your listeners, but you know, I get up, I go to the gym, I go to work, I sit around a table with a bunch of writers all day and we just talk and tell stories. And then I come home and watch TV. Um, I think people are astonished about how much TV I watch. Um, but I find the time to pretty much watch everything because I am obsessed and in love with television. Um, yeah, it's your, so yeah, I mean, it's, your world, it's, right? it's really just, you know, kind of the mundane life of a 30 something with a full-time job. 
Hey, tell me about your profile on some of these dating apps. Do you, I mean, obviously you're a fantastic writer, so you've got that advantage, right? Um, what, what, what advice would you give to um, folks listening there on, on, on their profile if they've got a disability? So I am, I subscribe to the notion that, um, you know, you've just got to put it out there. I, I have multiple pictures on all of my um, profiles where my wheelchair is highly visible or I, you know, you can see my crutches. I say right up front that I have cerebral palsy. Um, and I tend to make a joke of it. You know, like I said earlier, um, in our conversation, I, I kind of tend to disarm people with humor, which I think works very well. Um, and you know, just make it something that, um, I don't think it should be off limits to talk about because you're going to have to bring up the subject eventually. So yeah. So for me, you know, it's, it's right out there. I'm, you know, I think I'm lucky to have being the first woman to do a backflip in a wheelchair as a great icebreaker. So I can talk to people about that, but (laughs) I don't think you necessarily need to have done a backflip to, um, have interesting things to talk about. Um, but really, you know, if you use a wheelchair and you're, you're, uh, dating, uh, you know, through these means, that's just, it's, that's just one part of you, you know, there's, there's, to me, I think there's so many more interesting things about me than the fact that I use a wheelchair, regardless of the fact that I'm obsessed with wheelchairs and I love them. They're just, um, it's just, it's on one hand, it's so much of my identity, but on another hand, it's, it's, it's just a small part. It's really difficult to under to explain, but, but yeah, you know, I, I get that out right up front, but I try not to let it be the focus and, um, kind of just hope that whoever, is out there reading it is going to see the me for the whole package and and not just the way that I happen to get from point A to point B. Totally, I think it's a great filter too, right? You're going to you know filter yeah. out the the people. Oh my that, gosh, yeah, so many so many assholes that you can can avoid meeting, you know, <laughs> just by putting that out there. So yeah, it's definitely it's definitely good for that. Oh, that's so good. Hey, um, any other any other tips or advice you've got uh, for our listeners out there? Uh, just, I mean, ge- generally, I, you know, I think there, I have, as I've been more plugged into the disability community online, I've really come to see that I, I'm in a fortunate position of kind of being out and proudly disabled and this huge cheerleader for how great it is. But, you know, you don't necessarily have to, to be in that place. And if you're not in that place yet, don't feel bad about yourself. I know it is a process um, for so many people, especially uh, those people who were once non-disabled and are now transitioning to this new phase of life. Um, But, you know, go easy on yourself, give yourself time um, to adjust and, you know, just don't let, uh, I think society's expectations of you or perceptions of you as a disabled person weigh on you too hard because that's them. It's not you. Um, Mm. and you kind of, you know, just focus on what you know is good and what makes you happy. Such good advice. So good. Catherine, for more about uh, you, where can people connect? So the main way you can connect with me is to follow me on Instagram and my uh, username is my first two initials, which are KT and my last name, Beatty. So it's K-T-B-E-A-T-T-I-E is my handle on Instagram. And I post there a lot. Um, and yeah, um, 
I think it's funny. A lot of people think that my my name is Katie because my first my Instagram is Katie Beatty, but Katie does rhyme with my last name. So if you contact me, um, you can just call me Catherine. <laughs> Um, I I made that mistake actually. I sent um, I sent Katie an email. Um, type, oh my gosh, everybody! Hi, hi Katie, yeah. and you you so eloquently put me right. Um, so uh, you know it was, it was great. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So there you go, Catherine. It was super amazing to chat with you. This hour has gone by so quickly, um, and uh, I feel lighter as a result. Um, I, I love uh, I love that you've got so much energy and determination and humor and clearly skill and intelligence um, and a, a real understanding of uh, this community that we're a part of. Um, thanks for being um, for being a key key member of it and uh, for blazing the way for so many. Well, Mike, this has been so enjoyable. Thank you for putting these stories out there. And, you know, for sharing the perspective that you have, which I love, and for being such an advocate for the community, and also for putting up with, like, three days of my um, internet and coronavirus and all of these <laughs> things that, that got in our way of, of recording this. I'm so glad we got, finally got a chance to connect. Um, and thank you so much. It's been great. Uh, awesome. I hope uh, I hope we get to see each other soon someday. And um, who knows, I may even um, – so I, I injured myself on a skateboard, so – I've not been. So, oh, really? Um, yeah, I've not been so super eager. Oh, we gotta get you back in the skate park. <laughs> I was kind of afraid you were gonna say that, but I kind of want. Oh man, I kind of want to do it. <laughs> we should have said this earlier. This is this is gonna turn into a two-hour podcast. Um, no, yeah, we, you look me up next time you're in the states, or next time I'm in New Zealand, or I guess the first time I'm in New Zealand. We, I'm dragging you to the park, and we're gonna. We're gonna get you. We're gonna get you in there. Yeah, please. I um, I am awesome. a bit of a sucker for some adrenaline. So um, awesome. Yes, please. Great. Taught by the best. So um, all right. Well, Catherine, look. Um, enjoy the rest of your day, and, and thanks so much for um for joining us. It's been great to have you on the show. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the podcast and meeting today's Adaptifier. To learn more about Adaptifier and the products we have in development products that will increase freedom for wheelchair users go to adaptdefy.com that's a-d-a-p-t-d-e-f-y.com we're also on all the major social media platforms at adaptify follow us there for more behind the scenes looks and more up-to-date information on product releases hope you enjoyed this podcast look forward to catching you next time